Said we commence today's show in dialogue with the dean of the Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern University, talking about a recent study which finds that most Black Americans see news coverage of them as racist or racially insensitive. I am pleased to welcome Professor and Dean Charles Whitaker to this program. Dean Whitaker, how are you today, sir? I'm good, Tavis. How are you? Man, if I complained about being ingrate, I'm doing well. Delighted to have you on, and uh, thank you for the time that we do have to talk about this recent study. Let me just ask you to unpack it for me. Take it away. Well, Tavis, we've known for quite some time that African Americans see themselves portrayed largely as the victims and perpetrators of crime. Um, It is why African Americans tune out in droves to a large extent to... um, to mainstream media. It is why mainstream media, it is why African-American media exists. It is why my former boss, John Johnson, started Ebony Magazine, so Mm -hmm. that we could see the full panorama of the black experience and not the sort of pathology that was only displayed even at the time of the dawning of Ebony Magazine. We could see more of ourselves. And so this study merely uh, gives provides us empirical evidence of something that we have known for quite some time. First of all, I know John Johnson, who I knew well, uh, and obviously you knew well, uh, is smiling down, uh, thinking of you, uh, his former uh, colleague, uh, the dean of the Medill School at Northwestern. That's a big deal, man. We call that high cotton around here. So I know, I know Mr. Johnson is, is smiling on that on that reality. Um, I, I owe him owe him a lot. He's yeah, a great mentor, friend we, and mentor of mine. We all do. We all, whether we know it or not, we all all owe him a great debt of gratitude uh, and. So I, I take your point. Um, what, what, the thing about this is not surprising to your point is that we've always known uh, that the media uh, portrays us uh, in a different light. Uh, somebody once said that you see black men on television, Dean Whitaker, in one of two positions, handcuffs in the front or handcuffs in the back. So we know right. that they've uh, they've always portrayed us in a particular, uh, in, in a unique way, uh, put it that way. But so so, so why, why is this uh, recent study so revealing if it tells us what we've already, uh, always known? Again, I, I think we've known it anecdotally, mm-hmm. and it hasn't provided the empirical evidence that um, uh, states emphatically that black people are disgusted with media. When people talk about um, mistrust of media and distrust of media, they often go straight to the conservative side and talk about, you know, the, the forgotten white people who hate the liberal press. They never really talk about the, the uh, progressive folks and black folks who also have a mistrust and distrust of media. And this study sort of puts that front and center. A lot more to talk about. Just getting started with the dean of the Medill School at Northwestern, Charles Whitaker. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. For all the freedom-loving folk, this is Tavis Smiley. I feel like freedom. Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Charles Whitaker, dean of the uh, Medill School at Northwestern. Uh, in case you've just tuned in, there's a new study out that uh, says that black Americans see news coverage about them as racist or racially insensitive. Uh, at the risk of uh, sounding uh, or asking a question that uh, would be laughable, uh, I want to ask anyway, um, why, Dean Whitaker, why? Why do we... Yeah, why, 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 why coverage yeah. racist exactly. or why do we think that way? I'll do both. I'll do both. Well, first, um, there's simply just not enough folks who look like us in newsrooms mm-hmm. making, making decisions about news coverage. I mean, that, that's, that's the bottom line mm-hmm. and it has, has always been the case. There was a, a period when we were making progress, but as news, um, 
news outlets have contracted in the digital in the age of digital disruption, and uh, and uh, newsroom staffs have gotten smaller and smaller. We were oftentimes last hired, first fired, and and at a point at a time when many of us should have been rising to the top of those um, outlets. We were abandoning the industry, and so not having enough cultural competence, not knowing enough about what about the broad spectrum of the black community is one of the great reasons for this. And again, I think the communities feel that. I think black folks understand that and are, are uh, turning away from a lot of mainstream media because of that. Mm. What's the end result of our being portrayed in the way that we are in the mainstream media? It, you know, reinforces stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I happen to live in a, a largely African-American community in Chicago. And when I tell people where I live, they say, oh, my God, you're taking your life in your hands. Are you how can you live uh, in, in an area that's so dangerous? And I live in, you know, what is a a fine working class to upper middle class neighborhood, but because it is predominantly black, people have these impressions of it um, that are reinforced by what they see in media. And that also reinforces a sense of uh, it, it makes others feel that black people are not worthy, that their communities are not worthy, uh, that they are these um, uh, uh outposts of uh, of crime and uh, dysfunction, uh, and again, doesn't really show the full range of the experience. What do, what do you make of, uh, let me just preface by saying I'm not naive in asking this, but what, what do you make of the fact that black folk uh, have and are achieving uh, in, in record numbers uh, in a variety of spaces, um, are achieving in every field, frankly, of human endeavor, uh, and yet this sort of racist or racially insensitive coverage of us continues. I mean, we've we've gone through the first black president. We're now at the first black vice president. And again, in every sphere of human influence and effort and endeavor, black people are achieving at high levels. And yet this coverage of us as a collective continues unabated. How do you read that? Again, I do think a lot of it has to do with this, the disruption in mainstream media right now. I do think, I think we were making gains in the 80s and 90s. We were seeing more and more uh, black people coming into mainstream media. They were beginning to rise. And just as that was happening, um, I think the disruption of the introduction of digital media, the flocking away of audiences mm-hmm. sort of swept away a lot of those gains, and we are now trying to reclaim them. We are starting to see some black folks rise to the top of some news outlets. Again, major news organizations have uh, have black people who are at the top. However, um, we have not made enough of a dis- difference, and there are not enough people shaping coverage to really see the full impact of that. I am hopeful that we will. I actually do not despair. Mm-hmm. I think that we, I, I think the fact that there are so many ways in which our stories can be told is a good thing, but we've not made the progress that we should have made in, in media at this moment in time. And yet, I'm trying to juxtapose the comment you've made just now, Dean Whitaker, with the other reality, which is that black folk are telling their own stories uh, in so many uniquely different ways. Um, so the, the the flip side of that of that uh, 
that uh, burgeoning growth of digital media is that black folk can now get in where they fit in. Everybody's in the blogosphere. Everybody's in the Twitterverse. Everybody's in the metaverse. Whatever verse we're talking about, black folk are a part of it now. So while we may uh, still feel that the mainstream media coverage of us is racist or certainly racially insensitive, are we not at the point now where so many more of us are having our own say in our own words? That is absolutely right. I think you are correct. The beauty of the, the the era that we're in is that barriers to publishing have been torn down by the digital age, right? It is now anyone can publish and everyone is publishing, as you said, on a multitude of platforms. But that is both a, a, that's a double-edged sword because what also happens is people do get to burrow in their echo chambers. Mm-hmm. They do get to sort of, we, and we don't have a national media that brings us together so that we all have the same perspective about um, about communities and even about truth. I mean, one of the reasons the country is so ungovernable now is because everyone gets to burrow into their own media and accept whatever facts they want to from the people who really are just confirming their biases. And so that is a troubling aspect of the fact that we have this this proliferation of media, but at the same time, it allows us to see ourselves. Again, going back to John Johnson, the reason that that outlet was started, Ebony Ebony and Jet Magazine was started, because we couldn't see ourselves in mainstream media, and that offered us an an outlet. But it also gave other people a chance to see us as well. We are so, our, our patterns of media consumption now are so entrenched that I don't think we are reading as widely and seeing things as widely. And so that um, really reinforces stereotypes and makes it difficult for us to break through in, in mainstream media. How, the resu- how are the, uh, the results of this particular study um, challenged? How will they change uh, to the extent they will as we move uh, closer to that, uh, that, 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 that date on the calendar? When, for the first time ever, this country will be minority, uh, will be majority minority. Does, that, does that change says, anything? Well, I think it says to people who are uh, in mainstream media and people who are thinking about um, launching other media outlets that we have to. There has to be more cultural competence in your newsrooms. The newsrooms have to do a better job of reflecting this. Um, uh, majority minority, if you will, society that we are about to enter, because that is the only way you can survive. If you do, if people are disgusted and disappointed um, with your coverage, they will. There are many other outlets that they can turn to, and for your own uh, survival, it behooves you to better reflect those communities. For those who produce this news that we find to be racist or racially insensitive. Um, how might I put this? Is that, uh, would you call that a malign neglect, a malign neglect of the humanity and dignity of black life and black people? Or would you you call it ignorance? They just don't know what they're doing. uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's too, too negative, too Mm -hmm. negative. So you can be too negative all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I think both of those are a little harsh, though Mm -hmm. both of those are absolutely true. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do think. People don't know what they don't know. And we are a society in which people do um, 
commune with people who are like themselves. And so that means that we don't know. And, and, and it's easy when you're covering communities to sort of resort to stereotypes. Um, I, so, yes, it is something of benign neglect. Mm-hmm. I do think because people have an opportunity to see uh, all sorts of depictions, no, to see depictions of black people, they assume that those are the correct de- depictions. And so those negative stereotypes wind up being reinforced and uh, repurposed and pushed out time and again. And we just have to challenge ourselves. And there have to be people in the newsroom to challenge them to think differently when they are um, when they are depicting black folks. I, mean, I, I think of the obvious example, and there are there any number of these that we could, that we could point to, but when you have um, news directors, uh, white news directors, who decide or assignment desk editors that they want to cover welfare, for example. Um, it's the classic example. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's the classic example. example. <laughs> they, they, they go they go to find some black folk on welfare right. when, when you and I both know that the majority of folk in this country on welfare are not black folk. Uh, and so and so I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's just a. Uh, uh, again, a, a malign neglect. Uh, of, uh, I think of, that's just ignorance. Yeah, just ignorance. exactly. <laughs> that's, that's my point. That's just, that's just ignorance. Right? Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. And that, that, and that I think is ignorance. Yeah, it is ignorance. Um, and that's my question. My, and my, we, yeah, my, 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 we need people in the newsroom to to push back on that. Yeah. Well, my thing is, if if it's ignorance, it's 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 one thing. Let me back up. Dr. King once said that you know you, you can't legislate morality. You, you you can't you can't legislate morality, and we and we all get that. Um, so it's one thing if it's ignorance. If it's ignorance, maybe they can be taught better. Maybe they can be shown a better way. Mm-hmm. But if it's born of a just a, a just a flat out neglect of us, just not wanting to show us in a in a in a better light. I don't know what to be done about about the about the latter. Um, so what is to be done about the ignorance? You know, again, I think education and having people in the newsroom who can push back, having leaders in the newsroom who will say no. That is not how we're doing that story. I know that's the way that story's been done time since time and memoriam. Mm-hmm. That is not correct. That's not what the data show. Um, we need to do the story in a way that is a better reflection of reality. I, I think better of most of my of my most of my colleagues in the media than to say they are doing this willful uh, that mm-hmm. there's willful ignorance involved. I do think. Um, the ignorance is born out of not just not knowing and a sort of um, lack for lack of a better better word laziness a dependence on tropes mm-hmm. um, and we just have to get out of the habit of being so dependent on tropes I, I don't mean to uh, I don't mean to uh, to, uh, <laughs> uh, to uh, put upon you but it seems to me that this starts at places like where you are. Uh, it's Absolutely. one thing. It's one thing to keep saying we need folk in newsrooms. Well, these folk in newsrooms come from places like Medill. So what are y'all? What, 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 right. what are y'all teaching the good white folk in Medill? So we are. We absolutely have been um, pushing cultural competence. We have been talking about the ways in which our students of all demographics show up in communities. We've been talking about you know before. We, we as an institution, and I think many institutions that teach journalism sort of taught this parachute journalism. You go into a community, you don't know much, much about it. You grab somebody by the lapel, you put a microphone in their face or a tape recorder in their, their face. You do a very superficial uh, uh, scanning of the community, and then you write your report. Uh, we're saying that's not sufficient. And I know that there are deadline pressures, but when you go into that community, you have to have a better sense 
of the nuances and the depth of that community uh, before you start writing a, a report that paints um, a, a community or an event in a, or an individual, for that mm-hmm. matter, in a particular light. So we are absolutely trying to address that. And I'm happy to say our students are demanding it of us. Our students, again, of all demographics, are demanding that we better equip them to go out and mm-hmm. tell stories that are a better reflection of reality. The other thing that troubles me, Dean Whitaker, is that while you keep saying that we need more persons, more of the right persons in newsrooms who are sort of, you know, chin-checking people when they make these stupid statements and, and come up with these, these insane ideas or continue to do things as they've always been done, the problem with that is, and you're right, there's no question about it. The problem with that is that we are at a moment right now where everybody in corporate America is turning away from DE&I. Uh, that, that's, that's all we heard after the murder of George Floyd, right? Everybody wanted to do better. Yeah. Everybody wanted. Everybody promised to do better. Well, now that the spotlight uh, is off of that, and we've, we're three years past that, uh, and people are trying to you know, uh, make more money for their shareholders, positions get cut, and there are all kinds of stories, as you well know, that, that underscore this every day, that DE&I is under attack, and these executives are being shown the door. They're being pink-slipped every day. And that and, and the newsrooms, the corporate media, is, is not absolved of that. So we, we say we need more people who look like us in newsrooms making these decisions, but that ain't the reality on the ground. Absolutely, but we got to hold people's feet to the fire. And mm-hmm. again, there is a business reality to DE&I. We, too often, when we talk about DE&I, we talk about it as a moral imperative. The business reality is, if you don't do a better, as this, this, this study shows, mm-hmm. if you don't do a better job of reaching and reflecting those communities, you are losing those that audience, and that means you are losing those eyeballs and losing those dollars. So, make the business case. Uh, Wall Street listens to dollars. They don't listen to moral imperatives. They have to know that you are leaving money on the table if you don't do a better job at this. Well, see, that's why I asked that question earlier about what happens in the coming years when we become a majority-minority country. My, 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 My thesis is simply this. If you are a content producer, or if you are a product producer, it doesn't matter, content producer, product producer, if the country is black and brown, who are you going to sell to? I mean, who's, who's, right. who's your consumer yeah, going exactly. to be? Who's going who's gonna to watch or read your content? So if you're a content right. producer or a product producer, and that is the impending reality, what you going to do? Yep. Correct. That's right. As I said, this is, this is a business imperative, not just a moral imperative. Yep. So I, 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 it, it, is, it is a moral imperative as well, but, yeah. but we know we don't win that argument. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and, what, and what, do you, what do you say finally to those who, um, who are either participated in this study or certainly mirror the results of the study, uh, which would be most of us, <laughs> who find that the, that, the, that the major American news coverage of us is still racist or racially insensitive. What do you tell those persons to do? Well, you know, I'm, I am, uh, call me an optimist, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I see the young people that I interact with every day, and they have a new, a different sensibility and sensitivity. They are growing up in a much more multicultural world, and at least the young people that I come in contact with are highly attuned to that and highly sensitive to that. Mm -hmm. They are reading this study, and again, no matter what their demographic, they want to do better. They want our media to be better, and I am pinning my hopes on them, though not waiting for them. I think we have to provide, make sure that the newsrooms that they go into are receptive to their desire to want 
um, the yeah. coverage to be a better reflection of society. You can search the story and read it for yourself. It's called Black Americans See News Coverage About Them as Racist or Racially Insensitive. Uh, we are delight- delighted to have been in dialogue with the dean of the Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern, Charles Whitaker. Dean Whitaker, good to have you on. All the best to you. Thanks for your time, Thank sir. you. Thank you so much, Tavis. Good to hear from you. Good to hear your voice. Uh...